Hello, I'm Jennifer Ristine. This is RC Spirituality in Magdala with our nine-day novena of the living heart of an apostle. And joining us now for an interview is Father John Yurek. He's the pastor of, of the Church of Magdalene in Wichita, Kansas, as well as having a task in evangelization in the diocese and in the seminary formation. And so he'll join us to share with us how Mary Magdalene has informed these aspects of his priestly ministry. And I hope you enjoy. Well, thank you for joining us, Father John, today and taking the time to be with us. Um, I wanted to ask you, or just in the light of having met you, um, now it's been a year, uh, about a year ago, when I came and offered a conference on Mary Magdalene at your parish. I remember at the end of this conference, the bishop, actually announced that you were assigned a new task in the diocese. And this is, uh, I would say, an evangelizing task. I was wondering if you could share with us a little bit um, what your role is presently in the diocese and as a pastor. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm a pastor of the Church of the Magdalene. Um, so I'm a little bit over two years into that now. And then uh, last year I began as vicar for evangelization, discipleship, and stewardship. So it's a um, kind of, it's really connected to our diocesan vision and mission um, on making missionary disciples. So we have a, um, it, what's called a stewardship diocese, and, and we're looking now for a renewal of the stewardship way of life, and we feel strongly, as far as where the church is going, the Holy Spirit's going, um, that it's very much connected to evangelization and discipleship. Mm -hmm. Yes, and so having been in the Church of the Magdalene, um, I remember speaking to one of your parishioners about when you arrived to the Church of the Magdalene, you challenged them uh, to be people who pray, first of all. Um, can you share with us a little bit this desire in your heart? And I, I've been reflecting on how Mary Magdalene was accompanying Jesus, uh, and she observed him, she spoke to him, she watched him do miracles, and I was thinking this, this is very much like our prayer. So how did you, um, you know, we could it's so common for people to say, yes, you should pray, but how do you engage the lay people and encourage them to do this as a, as a whole parish? Yeah. So, um, you know, the way that that came about, um, we had at one time perpetual adoration here at the church of the Magdalene. And then over a couple of years, it just seemed to lose interest and people were moving on and getting, you know, maybe getting older and just different, you know, um, just different circumstances that made it really um, inhibited us from re kind of realizing that hope or desire. And, and uh, the last parish I was at, Blessed Sacrament, um, was um, perpetual adoration was a, um, a very important part of parish life. And I've, uh, I've always been passionate about adoration before the Blessed Sacrament. Um, um, actually you know, Fulton Sheen's the one that really got me hooked onto it um and that was before I went even uh, went into seminary I was, I, my mom had went to a conference that he gave and she had these old old tapes that I just dug out of a box and I was like there was this one on the holy hour and uh, I I listened to it you know and Fulton Sheen's so powerful in his rhetoric and his presentation and it's like and um I was just you know caught by his spirit of like the power of uh, an hour before the Lord. And uh, I had, I did not have any ambitions to be a priest or religious at that time, but I was like, uh, well, I'm going to get married, but why can't I do this now? I can do this. <laughs> and so um, 
I've, uh, I've just, I've always believed like the, the core, the, the, the heart, the basic kind of the everything of the spiritual life um, comes down to being with the Lord before the Blessed Sacrament um, and, and doing that in a very intentional and an intense way. And, uh, and for the renovation of the, the parish life, that, it, that there's so much fruit that's born Mm-hmm. Because it's an encounter with the sacramental body of the Lord, right? And, and so what happens is, is that um, being united with the Lord sacramentally in that way, you receive the gifts of the Holy Spirit from the head, Christ the head. Um, and he empowers you to, and leads you to do uh, you know, wonderful things for the kingdom. And that this can be tasted and experienced by the lay faithful. And then... So when I came here, um, well, before I left Blessed Sacrament, I did this little uh, kind of just uh, promotion. My last homily was to, uh, to um, bring on more doors. I mean, my, to me, it was like my last gift to the parish. Um, what could I do? And uh, I was like, there's nothing I could better than like, how about Holy Spirit come and inspire more souls to spend time before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. So um, it was kind of crazy. I just took note, did it really simple. There was no plan, uh, pro- program, or guest speaker. I just went and bought some uh, three by five note cards, put numbers on them, and I started <laughs> handing them out. And I was like, uh, during my homily, I was like, all right, we're going to have a, a sign up <laughs> for holy hours. Now is the time. And uh, so we gave out 250 cards that day. And, uh, and uh, so um, it was just, it was a moment of kind of um, with the Holy Spirit and, and uh, inspiring people to uh, kind of uh, take on that a commitment. And so I wasn't going to do that when I came to Magdalene. I had no, no thoughts or no aspirations to do that, maybe in a year or two. And so like two days, yeah, literally two days before my first uh, mass there, it was bubbling up in me that I needed to do this here. And I was like, no, but I knew it was coming from God. So I went for it. And uh, anyway, um, we got enough. Um, our goal was to get 300 new adorers and we got around 250 and uh, so we got perpetual adoration going again. So wow. in one appeal, people just say, okay, sign me up. They must have, they were convinced. They were convinced. Wow. So here it was wow. working. Wow. <laughs> And, you know, from, from prayer comes the disciple, right? Because uh, that encounter with the Lord strike just stirs something in us that we want to do something for him. So I don't know, have you been able to see in the two years you're there that um, people are going from maybe active external disciples to it's fueled by a love for Jesus, a deeper love for him? Or have, what, what are the fruits that you see in this endeavor? You know, a lot of times um, when it com- comes to the spiritual life, you're talking about intangibles. So it's like, mm-hmm. how do you measure that, right? Right, right. Um, but you could, <laughs> observation of the way people talk about their prayer life um, and relate to the Lord can be a powerful indicator. The other day I was watching a, um, a man who was in the, we have an adoration in the church now. We started up again perpetual adoration in the main church. And um, I can't believe it. We're going 24-7. Um, right. So that's exciting because we had to suspend it with the, with the COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And um, so a man was praying there and um, 
he was finishing his hour and his wife came in and they had an, you know, older couple, they had an exchange and he gave her a kiss, you know, and you, I saw the smile on each of their faces. And it was like a witness of like, wow, they have a beautiful marriage. Now, mm -hmm. to me, in, in a sense, it's like, most of that's intangible, but you can see this, there's something, a window into the little bit that I saw, the few seconds of the way they express themselves. Right. And that's what I'm hearing from people um, as you know, they committed to an hour of prayer every week, of, of spending time with the Lord, getting into spiritual reading. Um, you, you see it, it's like kind of Mary Magdalene, you know, in, in the Gospel of John, you know, I have seen the Lord. <laughs> right, right. Right. You know, mm -hmm. they, they become a witness in, in Matthew 28. What, what, what is Jesus? How, how is the faith going to be spread? He says, you will be my witnesses mm -hmm. to the ends of the earth. A witness is someone who has seen something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so that's, that's what you begin to, that's what you, that energy um, and um, joy. Yes. Um, so again, these are, these are somewhat intangibles. Mm -hmm. um, but there is a tangible aspect and, and you do, and what you're seeing too also is just a, a um, greater generosity and living the stewardship way of life. Um, right. Their right. time, talent, and treasure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, well, that, those are definitely fruits that can be perceived in some, in some way, shape, or form. And so you arrived to the Church of the Magdalene. I'm curious if, uh, did you have, did you feel like you had any devotion or even curiosity about this St. Mary Magdalene before you arrived or she was just kind of one more in the number of saints for you? Yeah, she, um, really no. Um, yeah, she was just one more. I just knew about the, the quasi-liberal conservative contention over was Mary Magdalene and Mary of Bethany the same person? And, okay, so you had an inkling of some of the debates that were out there. Uh -huh. Yeah, so when you arrived, did you consider at all the namesake of the church? Is this a means for evangelization or um, what has there been any change there in, in your yeah. approach to her or your understanding of her? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, it was, you know, I think an, another, you know, I, I call the Holy spirit, the connector because mm. um, he's always going before us can aligning and connecting things. And, and it's like, um, before I'm even thinking about the connection, it's like, oh, God's already, oh, you put, you put me here. This is happening here. Oh, these fit together, you know? <laughs> and, and so, um, the, uh, you know, as far as like when I came to the Church of the Magdalene and, um, you know, and her place and when I was taken on as vicar for evangelization and discipleship, I'm like, Wait, she's the apostle to the apostles. She's she's the one who has been uh, was sent to to witness that she had seen the Lord. Holy cow! This is evangelization, right? Bingo, bingo. Yes. So I was like, <laughs> I'm like, wow, that's that's super cool. And and you know, her being an apostle to the apostles as one sent a missionary, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, the connection to her intimacy with the Lord and um her deep prayer life her reverence for the lord mm -hmm. uh, the the very important co connect connection between the the active and the contemplative life in my mind you know mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. um we unfortunately you know over the last 50 years 60 years has been this 
notion of separating the active and the contemplative life. Mm -hmm. But I like St. Bernard of Clairvaux. He, he speaks about, you know, in, um, that the, uh, in the apostolate, we need to be reservoirs, right? That we're first filled um, with the love of the Lord and intimacy and prayer, and then it spills over versus being just channels. Of, and, um, and it makes such a huge difference. Well, because really it makes a difference because people experience you as a witness, right? Right, And we know about with the new evangelization, everybody, everybody knows this as overused reference, but Pope Paul VI speaking about like, modern man listens more to witnesses than he does to teachers. And if he does listen to teachers, it's because they're first witnesses. Exactly. And, and to me, this word witness is extremely important for us. And this is what we're in dire need of. You know, you look at the council documents, it speaks about bishops, priests, how they are to be witnesses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, when you have that, then, then that evangelization happens in which what kind of like the faith is caught, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and it's really safe just to approach it through just teaching or catechesis. And um, as if, you know, the, as the faith can be transmitted in a way that it's taught. Um, but, you know, we're finding out kids go through 13 years of Catholic education and none of it sticks. How, how, how can that happen? Mm -hmm. Because you got to have witnesses that are teachers. Yeah. Is she becoming then, I would say, a personal patron for you in, in this sense of uh, an, a role model for evangelization? Yes. Being a witness that's deeply rooted in, in the love of Christ? Yes. Mm -hmm. And so, so the, the, my, all, my tagline on my, all of my emails is the image of Mary Magdalene and then uh, that uh, apostle to the apostles, okay. right? Right. And, uh, and a, uh, you know, like we're really living in a time, this is new for us as Catholic, Catholics, I think it's like that our faith has to go out, mm -hmm. like get a sense of being sent, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that, we're, that we're missionary. And like, what a model for that. She, after she encounters, she, she runs, <laughs> she's sent to run in mission. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So this is, uh, has this informed at all the way in which you're um, engaging with your parishioners and as well as with, um, I believe you help with seminary formation as well, or spiritual director for some seminary, seminarians? So um, I do not, I'm, I'm not involved anymore um, with our house of formation, um, but with the, our, with, with my vicar work um, mm -hmm. and definitely she's kind of like kind of looking like a, kind of an icon of you know the the vision of our diocese in a certain sense of of around you know a person who kind of um personify I mean, you have an image of person personifies like what it means to make a missionary disciple mm -hmm. and that's important because you have the concepts and you explain things but like yeah you know what if you have um someone <laughs> you know, a person in the gospel that you can turn to that really incarnates, you know, what you're after. Right. And being able to reflect upon her, on her life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so do you, do you find her also relevant in particular to women? Have you seen anything in your own parish and your own work in the diocese where, um, you know, some people pay attention to her, some don't. What, what I've found in my work in different conferences and retreats about Mary Magdalene is you have those women that just they so identify with her in some aspect of her person. Have you seen that at all in in your parish or I know it's not everybody 
um, but what what do you how do you feel she's really being relevant to a lot of your parishioners? Well, you know, when you came for the Mary Magdalene retreat we had a year ago, um, um, I was I was very impressed about like how it spoke to the women in our parish and like they were they were just drinking in you know her life um, mm -hmm. as you used it as a model for you know our own uh, Christian life and and walk with the Lord. Where, where I'm kind of noticing, like this is beginning to emerge, is in the place of the need for healing. Mm, uh, okay. So if you come into our church, we have this beautiful statue of uh, mm -hmm. the Lord healing Mary Magdalene yes. of seven demons, right? Beautiful, yes. And, and so the idea here is before she's sent, before she's the apostle to the apostles, before she, you know, she's having a relationship with the Lord, she has to be healed. Mm -hmm. and, and something we don't think about is like, sin and other people's sin the world um we it cuts us it, 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 it's not something that you know we experience other than another person's sins or sin or our own sin and uh we're unscathed no i mean like it causes wounds love wounds and it um makes it so it's become those things become obstacles to for our relationship and so the the need for healing um and um, and I think you probably are seeing this too, but there's mm -hmm. more awareness, more receptive, receptivity to it, greater desire for it among parishioners. And I didn't see that probably 20 years ago. Okay. I mean, I think when it came to healing, it was just a niche that was um, probably most people kind of just like, um, eh, yeah, that's nice for you. <laughs> but I right. think more of a sense of like, we're, we're, we're all in needs of some of yeah. really great healing. Mm -hmm. And so I see some real potential there and um, I don't know what that's going to look like yet, but I, mm -hmm. I see emerging. So you're keeping your eyes open and your heart open to the Holy spirit to how that might emerge. Yes. So something to consider asking Mary Magdalene, you know, it's for her intercession there, you know, how, mm -hmm. how's that, how do you want that healing to look, um, intercede for us? that our, our parishioners might be healed in the way they need to be healed. Because from what I'm hearing you say, it's um, you're, you're speaking of a, a very deep healing, um, a spiritual healing that could be affected also by life's bad, you know, being battered by life circumstances. But it sounds like you're speaking of those wounds from life's choices as well. Um, mm -hmm. Sinful actions, mm -hmm. selfishness. Could and be more, more than just psycho on the psychological level. Right, right. Something deep. So, mm -hmm. well, very beautiful. I, I, I do hope that um, the Lord opens that pathway of healing for, for each of your parishioners. And as we know, we are all in that, that journey as well, right? In a deeper relationship with the Lord and allowing those idols to, to be pushed out of our life. And that's where the Lord can enter and really heal the wounds that are, are there in our hearts. Right, because you know, when it comes to the spiritual life, it really comes, you know, it's like, it's about be, being vulnerable. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that trust that's that's required of relationship means that you, it, it's geared towards being vulnerable towards the other. And if you look at the, la the Latin root of the word vulnerable, vulnus means wound. Mm, yeah. So many, many say that in the church, there is a sort of woundedness in, um, many will will rebel against the sort of patriarchal side of the church um thinking believing that there's this wound that's there against women being able to participate more in the church 
um, I've seen this, these reactions. Um, but if we look at the history of the church, there are also women, women who have been great protagonists in the church as well. So we want to try to keep this view, um, understanding what's, what that reality is on both sides. Mm -hmm. But would you say that Mary Magdalene speaks into this um, issue and this theme of the role of women and how they're protagonists in the church's mission? Yeah, you know, I think we have to have a different starting point than, we'll, than the, one, the one starting point that we're addressing this at, as far as like women's role or women's responsibility, okay? And like, then they should, uh, women should have, you know, okay, let's redefine it, let's expand it. No, it, it needs to start from relationship, right? And, and let it come about organically from the Holy Spirit. So you begin with discipleship. You, you, you go to a place above, you know, identifying roles and responsibilities. And what happens is everybody goes back to that starting point. You have kind of a new Pentecost, mm. a new coming of the Holy Spirit, and the Lord does something new. And then that, and then and then it begins to flow out of this discipleship. That that uh, and once I'm in intimate relationship with the Lord, you know, like Miss Saint Mary Magdalene, then then out of that He sends me. Mm. You, and okay, so it's it's not just like here's here's a category and, right. and now things that I can do. And uh, yeah, do I want to do that? No, it comes from within then. Okay. So I, I, I think that's important because it, it gets us out of the, you know, of like the, the economist thinking of whose roles and responsibilities, not that they're, those things are not important, but I think um, we have to go back to the sources, Okay. Uh, back to the beginning and let it emerge. Mm -hmm. So almost like a call, a personal call, this each one, yeah. Yes. Um, growing closer to the Lord, learning how to listen to his voice and discovering how they're called to be a disciple as yes. Mary Magdalene herself had to discover and accept and, and go forth. Right. Yes. Okay. Yeah. That's a, a, um, a beautiful way to look at it. Another, another vision of that situation. Thank you. Well, is there anything else you'd like to share with us about um, Mary Magdalene? Any, uh, anything we haven't touched on? Um, what your what your hopes are for this coming July twenty second when you celebrate the feast of Mary Magdalene and perhaps some a few restrictions uh, mm -hmm. upon the church in this COVID situation? Yeah, you know, um, this is the way my experience of like um, how you know new things are, hap are happening in, in the church and that you know as Saint John the twenty third when he opened the Second Vatican Council he prayed for a new Pentecost, mm -hmm. a new Pentecost. And my experience has been, you know, I'm being a priest for almost 20 years, is that the way that Holy, Holy Spirit works is it's a, a kind of a gradual emerging of a, of a movement. And, and so, like, we're, we're kind of people, like, we want a clear vision, you know, okay, establish it, okay, this is what we're going to do. That's, that's not how the Holy Spirit works. I mean, it, the Holy Spirit is like, here, um, I want you to do this. Okay. I don't, and, and we don't have clarity around exactly what, what, the, what that's going to look like, and where it's going to end, but we got to, we trust and keep moving forward. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's what it means to really walk in faith. Um, and then in hindsight, we, we see what the Lord has done. So I just see, can just, my hope is it just, it's continually continuing to emerge as like her being a model of evangelization, discipleship, mm -hmm. uh, that um, becomes like someone 
every parishioner can appropriate into their own spiritual life. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time, Father John. I appreciate sure. it. And sure. I wish you a blessed summer and a blessed feast day of Mary Magdalene on July 22nd. You too.